Hey guys, this is Az from the Short Convos podcast. Just an apology, in this week's episode, we had some technical difficulties at about the 13 minute mark uh, where my camera and microphone died on me. So you'll see a switch in both video and audio quality at this stage. Uh, We've got it sorted for next time, so this shouldn't happen again. And apologies, please enjoy the show. We had a real fun time making this one and we will see you on the next one. Boom, we are live. Welcome to the Short Convos podcast, episode 30-something. I can't quite 30 remember. 30-something, yes. And we have a special guest for those of you on the video one can see it. Those on the audio cannot. Jay, would you so, like to introduce this? Yeah, I'm JC Warrior of Light, and this is our new family member, Bo. Uh, she is a rescued crossbreed, uh, come all the way from Bulgaria. I just said to Az, she's not a lap dog, but while I'm waiting for Lauren... Uh, to get in we're not going to leave her down where she can uh, chew things uh, especially electrical cables and uh, do damage so she's gonna join us for the start of our show this week well I think she's a great starting point and uh, that I wanted to talk a little bit about because you've now got one like pure breed dog shall we say uh, and one rescue so I guess those are two very different ways of going about getting a dog. And a lot of people at Christmas time get dogs and there's a lot of issues around that, isn't there? The whole dog's not just for Christmas and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think we're unfortunately in a uh, time frame. you know, depending on when people catch up with this podcast, uh, you shouldn't be getting a dog just for COVID as well. And uh, I unfortunately heard an advert the other day and someone else saying that, uh, so many people have bought dogs during lockdown uh, that there's now a uh, surge in the rescue centers and everything else of abandoned dogs. Uh, oh, it's almost man. like the same as what happens at Christmas. You know, uh, they're a novelty, it all wears off when they start pooing and uh, weeing everywhere and, you know, costing money and everything else that people have, uh, you know, started turning them in for, from the lockdown, which, yeah, it is a crime, really. Can I share a real dark thought? Yeah. (laughs) Go for it. I'm open to all. So the fact that people do that, right? Do you think that some people, if kids, if it was possible to do it with kids, they would do it with kids? You know, some people have kids and they're clearly not ready for it. And the novelty wears off and they get to like that one year point. And then there's certain people in certain reasons who would keep the kid and I don't know. I don't even know what I'm actually trying to say. I just had it <laughs> playing into my head that that people just get rid of dogs like it's so easy to just get rid of one, you know, like yeah. it doesn't affect them. Uh, but as a dog lover and yourself as a dog lover, I find it hard to understand. For me, if you could do that, you could probably just give away a child all the same. Like that's yeah. how I think your mentality must be because I couldn't fathom it. I, it just seems yeah, horrible. No. Like, uh, I, I don't have, it's not the stomach, it's just, I don't know, maybe it is. I, I couldn't work with animals in the sense of a, uh, as a vet. Uh, I yeah. couldn't, I, I don't think I could even work in a shelter because, like, it, it seems to have come off of the social media, but there was a period of time where there was a lot of things shared on social me- media, uh, like cruelty-wise, which wasn't, oh, look at this, it's really uh, sick, it, as in, oh, this is really cruel, what's happening? I can't even look at those images. It, it upsets me that much. That's why I couldn't be a vet, or I don't think I could work at a shelter, because the things that you would have to deal with would just, I couldn't emotionally deal with, would upset me so much. 
And yeah. uh, I think that's what, what you're getting at, isn't it? It's almost like these people that are is... detached from, from yeah, that emotion. That's it. I just think there's, you've got to have a bit of a screw loose to just be able to, and you know, it's not that, I guess if you take it to a rescue center, you're at least being somewhat responsible for it, but it's the ones where they just leave them in a box or leave them in a building. Uh, and then they get found by like RSPCA and they're, you know, starved half to death and all the rest of it. Uh, those kind of things where I'm, my brain just can't quite wrap around it because it's just, it's just horrible, let alone things like dog fighting and all the rest of it, like taking it down that whole route. But you see yeah. a lot of rescue dogs where they come from some pretty horrific, you know, the backstories with them. Oh, yeah, it is horrendous. But swinging it on the child thing, like you brought in uh, in there and then suddenly retract and thought, what am I talking about? Uh, but, like, <laughs> I hadn't look, thought it out enough. Yeah. <laughs> look at uh, China, for instance. Their culture is the male will always be the heir to the family and they can only have, uh, or is it one child now or two children? There's like a I law. Think they've actually lifted that law have now, they? but it hasn't changed anything. As in people are still very much keeping to it even though i believe and don't quote me on that but i think they have lifted that well anyway there was a period of time where the and this is maybe why they lifted it there was a period of time where they uh brought i, I feel like a james bond villain here <laughs> uh, they they had this law uh, where you could only have let's say it was two children or one child child and uh with their culture the male would always be the one that would lead the family name ultimately would look after you in uh, your uh, later years. And uh, there was so many uh, uh, girls in sheltered homes and adoption centers and these child places because people were abandoning their daughters because they wouldn't then have anyone look after them in later life. So it does happen in that yeah. sense as well. But I think that's what I was trying to get at is the whole, the whole adoption thing with kids and then it just doesn't it's not so surprising that you see so many dogs in rescue centers because you know people do it to their own flesh and blood and therefore yeah you can see how it would then end up happening to dogs i've always found with rescue dogs that there's a sadness in their eyes uh, like you can see that they've been abandoned or been hurt or been abused um I love it that they get rescued and, you know, they get a second chance and, you know, you're, that dog doesn't know how lucky it is. It's going to be in a good family and a good home. It's going to have a nice life. Uh, but you, I see it personally. I don't know about you, but I could see the difference in her eyes to Bruce's eyes. Oh, a hundred percent. Like the whole experience of getting a uh, rescue dog has been completely different, completely mm. different. Uh, like we've, uh, as in Lauren and I, as a family unit, like I grew up in a household of dogs we always had three dogs i was born into three dogs and we always had three dogs uh, running around but as lauren and i as a uh, family unit you know for the last 20 years we had a uh thoroughbred uh, uh english bull terrier lacy and then german shepherd bruce uh, both come from you know uh, kennel club breeders and then when lauren very first said oh about getting another dog because she like initiated it and said about a rescue dog i was a little bit reluctant initially because uh, we did as a family growing up have a few experiences my grandparents and a few other uh, people we knew had experiences with uh, rescue dogs were that weren't so pleasant uh, because sure. the dog had been through so much trauma 
summer and there's always that issue with uh, a dog and a child you know especially a rescue dog no dog can be you know fully trusted but especially a rescue dog uh but Bo came up like uh, she was found her mother had just literally given birth on the street in bulgaria to them and uh, the the uh, home in place out there dog home in place literally picked her up otherwise you know the mum and the litter would have died uh, right. took them in and like she's only four months old so she she hasn't had that scarring issue of being you know, necessarily mistreated, beaten or, or whatever, you know, these horrendous acts people do. And, uh, but you can definitely see it. Like she arrived and the breeder, she, uh, she used to take all the litter in. So they did like a four day trip to get over, uh, arrived at two in the morning and the breeder would usually take them in and then house them for the night. And then everyone would come and collect the next day. Uh, but she said it was such a traumatic thing because she'd had to stay up all night with this litter of dogs and da 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 da. It'd take a weekend out. So she basically gets us to go there an hour early, do all the paperwork, you know, make sure it's all official. And then as the van turns up, we literally take them into her arms and walk away. And yeah. uh, like, you know, she's she's clinging on to you for dear, dear life. We, we get inside, all, all Bruce wants to do is say hello. And she's growling at him, uh, growling at him, you know, just pure survival mode. Yeah. and uh she she hates being separated she doesn't want to be away from anyone at all so uh, a few early mornings and uh that just lying with an extra in a cage and all of that so it's yeah it's definitely a different experience but then again uh I really it feels really rewarding as well uh to to give something like this it's it's chance at a, a good life yeah i bet I bet I think you spoke to the reason that so many people give dogs away uh, after a year is that they they don't tell you enough about the the hardship of the first year or so with a dog in terms of what you need to put in place to make it the nice experience that you all have in your head of what it's going to be to have a dog in terms of the training and the discipline and I think that's where it goes wrong a lot of the time like sitting next to your dog's crate or bed rather than just letting them into your bed at night, which is what a lot of people end up doing. I think that can be part of the problem. And then you don't set any boundaries and the dog obviously doesn't know what it's doing. And then you end up in a situation where, where the dog becomes unmanageable. Oh yeah, like on Monday, day one, uh, Lauren, you know, we, we took uh, uh, both for a walk, uh, Poppy to school, got back, and it's like you don't go in until the dog does a wee. So we're outside in the cold in the garden, and uh, Laura, bless her, she doesn't have the most patience, uh, but she's like, Oh, we've been out in 10 minutes, she's not going to do it. And it's like, Well, if she goes in wee, it's on you, it's your, it's your clear up. So we go in, surely two minutes later, she wees on the, uh, on the floor. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we, we haven't given up since you know she does, she does everything outside and uh, those sort of things you, you you pay forward it's a lot of effort it's a lot of you know oh, I couldn't I could be doing something else right now but you pay it forward and then you have a good well-mannered trained dog and it's actually the same with kids and mm. in in some ways they're both living animals uh, but in some ways it's worse what you see people doing with kids the way they feed them uh, you know uh, pander to them and everything else because they didn't have kids of their own and it's even worse yeah and there is therein lies the issue right because we had a dog school that came in after my uh, classes and we'd I'd always have a talk with the instructor uh, and the famous line amongst dog trainers is you don't train the dog you train the owner 
because the dog's a dog, but you have to teach people effectively how to raise them and how to, how to understand their behaviors to then get them to behave in a desirable way and to fit in as part of the family unit. And it's the same with parents, isn't it? That your kid isn't the problem. It's that you've, you've been a bad parent to be yeah. quite frank. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Like a lot of the time, that's what I, we see it all the time. You meet a kid, kid comes in and you're like, why are you like that? And then you meet the parent and you go, ah, that, that, that's why you're like that. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, it's not so much. I don't think it's uh, you being bad parent. I think they're far, if I'm really honest, I think they're far and few between. I think it's you make mistakes. You sure. make bad choices because yes. I, I don't think anyone really sets out to be a bad parent and i don't think many people set out to be a bad pet owner or a bad dog owner there are some just evil bastards out there for sure both yes. parents and pet but owners. it's a minority isn't it yeah but i think it's bad choices it's bad choices of when you decide to have the child or the choice on which the act brought the child into the world uh, the choice of which to have the dog and not the thought mm the forward thinking of the animal and the child as well. Yeah. God, this was deep and meaningful start to the conversation. <laughs> Dogs do that. They, they, yeah. they bring out the, uh, the emotional stuff, I feel. <laughs> carried it. Don't worry, as we carried it. But I was no just doubt. talking about she doesn't have a camera face yet. <laughs> there will be an edit there, guys. Apologies, my camera has just decided to go up in smoke. There's no actual smoke, but I'm going to assume that something's smoking. <laughs> We will, we, will, we will carry on we will power through we will power yeah. through as professionals Dude, we are where, where were we as we you were telling me a new story a very pleasant news story so there was this a pleasantness amongst all this covid uh you know uh doom and gloom uh, sorry uh, there was this archaeology dig and uh, they found the remains the oldest remains of uh, evidence of man with dog a domesticated dog wolf and uh, I can't remember what it dated back but we're talking like thousands of years and it predates anything else that they ever thought you know with cats or with anything at all and it oh, wow. proved like just I don't know how how we go back that far with our our relationship with a with a dog in particular with how the dog would help us in a term for us to help it so we would give the shelter and the warmth and the dog would then uh, in turn like help us hunt or uh, yeah it, it was a really lovely I'm not doing it justice it was a really lovely piece to read amongst everything as well and uh, yeah I, I I couldn't imagine life uh, without a dog it's uh, yeah I, it even feels strange now that we've been so long with just one dog yeah, I, I find the, the idea of how long we've been domesticating animals, like fascinating, that whole thing, that whole process of, you know, uh, and again, before I assume it was mostly for work, right? Like, uh, like dogs were survival, yeah, long before they were uh, just a pet. But obviously, amongst that, it becomes a companion, doesn't it? Even if it's a working dog, yes. uh, it becomes it becomes a part of your your family, and it's just the character. They just got so much character in them. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, we we found like we've always had German Shepherds in our our line, our family, and we found each one of them always different as well. They have you know similar traits, similar things you like about, it, and that's why you go to them. But uh, all all different as well, and they are you know definitely definitely part of the family as well 
Amazing, amazing. My wife is allergic to dogs. The only thing she's not allergic to is a donkey. So at some point, I'm going to get a pet donkey up <laughs> in here. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's basically a massive dog, right? Great Dane, donkey. Yeah, it's yeah the same you can thing. pull that off. <laughs> That'd be fine. Yeah, donkey. No one will, no one what about will know. pig? Can you, can you get yeah, imagine a pig? a pig would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dog, right? That literally is a dog. Yeah, yeah. Done. Yeah, I, right. I, I remember again reading or seeing something where someone had a pet pig. So yeah, apparently yeah, it always we, goes could wrong. Could eat all the biscuits, couldn't it? Because people buy those what? Well, what they think is a micro pig, which turns out just to be a baby pig, <laughs> <laughs> and then it grows into a massive pig. But I think I'd want a big pig anyway. Why would you want a little pig? If you're gonna get one, yeah, get why? get a real one, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that, that would, you could take the lounge into a big mud pit. It, you know, you could go to the next level, couldn't you? Bo's heard food. She thinks of her belly, just her, <laughs> her plates and food. Me too, hey, bro. Calm, I, Bo. I you, you've, you've eaten. You've eaten. How's your week been, As? The week has been okay. We, we, when was it that we mentioned the kind of on-day, off-day, that it was just this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that trend just now. seems to continue. Uh, and I don't think I, I've kind of come to peace with it to the point where if I've had a good day. I go to bed going, well, tomorrow's going to suck. <laughs> and I just, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not trying to fight it anymore because uh, I just think, well, if I can get it right 50 percent of the time, I'm not going to be too hard on myself right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's something it's just, yeah, not not beating yourself up too much when when things are not exactly going according to plan as it were uh, i'm yes. very guilty of that i don't know about you but i'm i'm my hardest critic uh and i tend to attack myself far more than i should uh with certain things when most people just say as you're doing fine give yourself a break uh because you're not helping yourself by just kicking yourself while you're down so most yeah uh, I've, yeah, a bit, bit more at peace with things. I'm assuming you've had a lovely week or a very busy week, if nothing else, right? I'm, I'm cream crackered, as I'm yeah, absolutely <laughs> fucking knackered. Like, I don't like swearing. My mum would always say it's ugly and, you know, you've got a lack of vocabulary, everything else. I don't like it, but there is a time and place for it. And uh, the words has it have been use. Yeah, I'm effing knackered. Uh, for no good, bad or ugly, indifferent. I'm, and I know I'm talking to, I'm preaching to the converted here. Uh, Someone's talking about being tied to someone that's, uh, uh, I can't see my brain don't even work. Permatized, the, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> amnesia. But I know we've spoken before, but no, I, I'm genuinely like, right, running on empty. But what I have found this last week, I, since like we, we got her at two in the morning, I think that was the, the breaking point. Like we did, I didn't go to bed, and it's just been real short day, uh, nights of sleep, and I haven't said blah blah blah. I won't bore you with the details. But what I have thought about is uh, quite a bit is this uh, this now this uh, moment of being present, and I think that helps you saying about not getting things done and everything else, not you know having off days. Uh, I think that that's a very relevant thing. And it comes up because I was talking to a hairdresser. I've talked about the hairdresser before on the show. We have a nice chat. And he was talking about the whole uh, book, The Power of Now. And mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I was really thinking about it and thinking about how 
like you have to plan don't you uh, that that's what i don't like when i'm tired at the moment i'm not in a very much of a planning phase uh, i'm very much firefighting oh there's something that's got to be done today or something i should have done someone i should have called yesterday or something this weekend if i don't plan it right now people are going to be asking questions i need those answers before those questions and uh, i was starting to think that about that with the whole power of now because power of now of living in the moment if you're thinking about the future you're no longer in the future are you you're you're no longer in the now in you're the in the present. future but when i was thinking about it, i was thinking if you spend most of your time uh, the majority you know it's back to that quadrant if you spend a big part of your time planning and preparing it means you're always present in the future because you're not trying to catch up where you weren't so, for instance, we did a course at the weekend, hit that bell, bong, uh, an advanced course. And on the, uh, I think I, I sorted it all out, let's say on a Tuesday night. The course was on the Saturday and Sunday. Came to the course on the Sunday. I'd set everything out on the Saturday. Uh, I had everything planned from early in the week. I didn't really have to do anything. I was absolutely, my brain was melted. I was absolutely vegetated. I hadn't been asleep and everything. Uh, but I didn't have to do anything. I could be very present in the moment where... Whereas if I hadn't planned everything, if I hadn't have uh, sorted everything else uh, out, I, I wouldn't have been present at that time. Uh, I found that, yeah, I found being tired has been useful to open my mind to that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I think, yeah, that, that whole power of now thing, there's two ways of looking at it. There's that what I would call the very liberal way of just be in the moment, man. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Everything will work out. Just, just be and everything will be fine, which is not the way we live. I think, take the dog as an example. A dog lives like that. A dog does not think about tomorrow. A dog does not think about anything other than right now I'm hungry, right now I'm tired. And that's what a dog is. But I think what makes a human a human is our ability to look into the future and to predict things and to plan and, and all the rest of it. I think it's what makes us who we are. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with it's not, about, it's not about not ever thinking about the future, but it's about planning so that when the moment comes, time with your family, course, whatever it is, you can then just be in it rather than, like you said, fighting fires all the time and uh, never feeling like you're, you're grounded to anything. And I can't think of an example, but in, I'm of no grand age whatsoever, but I feel like I've uh, been around the circle of life now and I've got a bit of experience. And I find looking at the past has certainly helped me to the moment of being present now as well, especially interacting with people, uh, interacting in a professional sense. I feel I've got answers now, very uh, articulate, educated and experienced answers to, I can't think of examples for you, but you know, when you get silly people, silly questions in a business sense, a professional sense, or even in the everyday, you bump into someone or some sort of situation happens. And because in the past you have dealt with it, uh, as in you've experienced it and not possibly dealt with it you might have frozen you might have uh, you might have been caught out you might be mugged off or those kind of things because uh i'm very present of those moments when it happens and i don't know do you do it where you sort of play out in your mind you sort of do a bit of a uh 
a, a drama in your mind of how you're going to talk to someone or if, or if something's happened how you should have dealt with it and i find playing that past tense out it helps very much the moment as well yeah reflection on things and uh yeah that that's where you've got a that's where it's like you're being critical of yourself but in a in a constructive way it's not in a destructive way it's to it's to support future you when that situation inevitably comes up again in some way or another that you've yeah. thought right i don't want this to ever happen to me again the way it happened today so what do i need to put in place that we're not going to end up in that spot again yeah yeah and, yeah and, painless uh, experience the next time so I'm being very much in the moment of now and I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired <laughs> in the now at the moment. There's uh, nothing as, like being super tired to put you in no, the now. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Can't be anywhere as, else. As I'm going to notes because I feel this one might take a while. Uh, we're our top three this week. We said about songs, didn't we? Uh, we're not going to make this a music special, but do you want to lead this off your top three songs? I feel I've challenged you with almost the impossible challenge. Yeah, so it was an impossible challenge, as in these are not my top three favorite songs of all time, because I don't think that's a quantifiable thing. I don't think it's possible. Depends on where you're at in your mind, what's going on in your life. Like there's certain moments, like a certain car ride where a certain song comes on and that's the best song in the world. But it's only because of that car ride and that moment and that scenery that that's the best song in the world. You know but what that's I mean? Not so that's not the same as sources then? No, I don't think so. I think sources are a consistent thing until another source comes around that bumps its way into it. But I think this, in my mind anyway, from my experience, I could never say these three songs are the, the end or be all uh, and everything else is four, five, six, seven, eight after that. I just couldn't so what, did, so what did you refer to sources as is a... It's, you just uh, used a word. I did use a word and the word has already gone out of my <laughs> head. And now we're both too tired to bring back the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it wasn't a standard. It was something like that. So if the sources are, uh, that word was, what, what is a play, what is a song then? What, what is your favourite song? So sources, well, what else could we put into the sources? Well, we said tools. Tools was a bit tricky, but plants. Tools can be tricky plants we we were pretty much there weren't we we were quite uh, on the same point so they they are collective that word you said a little while ago that we're too tired to uh, remember uh, can when when you cut this well not that you cut it when you cut it for the just put the word in sharing yeah put put <laughs> the word, word in <laughs> uh, what is then what what category does music fall into what why can't you give it a top 3 what what you explained why but what does that so fall into? I'm going to give three songs today. Um, yeah. And I've got three reasons for why these are great songs and why they're personal to me. But on any given day, that three could change. And that's what I mean. And I'll, I'll, so I'll give you an example. Uh, you go to, I'll try, I'm, I'm in a bit of a dark mood today. So let me pick the nicer one. You go to a wedding. All right. And it's a lovely wedding. That's a, that's a nicer um, one. I hate weddings. I have right, to see well, people fine. at weddings. Switch it. You go to a funeral, <laughs> and a certain song gets played at the funeral, 
And then that song, you, it like, it evokes an emotion. And then you're going to attach it to that person who let's say is very close to you. And then suddenly that song has increased in value tenfold. You know, in that yes. moment, it's become far more personal to you than it ever was. Um, and that's what I mean by it, is it's just so ever-changing. It's not quantifiable. That's the word. So like with sources, you can say, you can say this source is sweet. I like sweet things. That's why I like this source. Whereas with songs, there's so much of it that you can't pinpoint the reasoning for other than you know, I was holding hands with my partner when this song played and the sun set, and therefore this song is this song. It's quantifiable. So what else is quantifiable? Uh, or is not quantifiable? My brain's melting It's, it's now. not quantifiable. It's not quantifiable. So what else is not quantifiable? Because, what, what, or is it just songs? I mean, I, I guess it's things that evoke more of an emotional response. You know what I mean? It's, it's a deep, like for me, music is very deep and it, carry, it carries a lot of emotion and feeling. It's not just something to like tap my foot to. Uh, it can evoke emotions. It can bring back memories. Um, you know, you, you couldn't say which of your child is your favorite child. You could probably yeah. sit down and say, this we, we one told is them. better we, behaved. We told them. Uh, the, the eldest, we messed up. So the, the middle one, it would get, <laughs> you we'll learn get as right. You go. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, of course. But you could sit down and probably say, this one's better behaved, but this one's smarter. But none of that matters, right? You can't quantify your love for the kids. Now, we've now fallen into a moment of synchronicity with the conversation that we've now created a present moment. So when the next person, has, I don't know if any, you've not got children yet, but if anyone has uh, managed to put this, like, for instance, which is your favorite sister or something like that. But I have had from time to time, and it's normally at weddings where you get those idiots. That's why I referred to that uh, as weddings. Uh, turn around and say, uh, which is your favorite kid then? Uh, or, or something like that. Uh, so I now have the experience of life to turn around and I'm going to say it's not quantifiable. Why Why would you? It's like, for instance, music. If you're talking about sources, mate, then we could talk about sources. And my taste, <laughs> I'll my give you my palette. top three easy. I, I, I just love having that. It's, I suppose it's a bit smarmy. It's a bit, uh, what's it? But I just quite like being that ready for people like that. Uh, me too ready for war man whatever form yeah. it takes um, right let's jump to the music then let's jump to music sell me your songs as let's go all right number one uh is never going back again by fleetwood mac but in particularly lindsey buckingham who is the guitarist and male voice lead uh obviously famous for dating stevie nicks and of course for anyone who doesn't know fleetwood mac was just this crazy incestuous little group that was just all loving each other, breaking up with each other, but managed somehow to continue to make music the entire time. Great and just music. wrote oh, amazing music about each other. Yeah, so this and a boy who had about... a girl's name and a girl who had a boy's name. Oh, I mean, so Fleetwood Mac for me was, if I can say they are one of my favorite no, and the tell greatest you, I bands. Met, uh, is it Michael Mick, Fleetwood, uh, the drummer? That's cool. No, you didn't yeah. know. 
My my dad had a uh, stall selling his art in uh, Horsham Town Centre, and uh, it was just like a little uh, stall. And Lauren used to man the stall of the weekend and uh, sell his art. And uh, the uh, stall opposite us was a uh, music collector. He had CDs uh, at the time and everything else. And uh, every now and then, Mick Fleetwood would come and buy. CDs because I think he lived in Faygate around the corner and wow. there was one one week he turned up and it was like I recognise him uh, and I happened to turn up I forget why I had it with me but I just won my Wacko Pro belt uh, and uh, he happened to notice it while he was like looking at dad's work and he's like oh what's that about and he was like oh well done blah, blah. I was like no what on you mate <laughs> <laughs> and he was like yeah yeah quite a surreal surreal moment so yeah anyway do you have the song can you play us a snippet so we can't play snippets only because we will get oh, yeah, um, take us off, won't it? We'll get cut off of a platform. So uh, I, I could have got my guitar and gave it a go, but the guitar's out of tune, not of strings. But uh, never going back again. Fleetwood Mac. I believe it's off the Rumors album for anyone who wants to go and check these songs out uh, as you're going through. But I really recommend going and finding Lindsey Buckingham playing it live because. Uh, it's one of the most difficult pieces of guitar that you'd ever imagined. And the way you know it is, is when he left Fleetwood Mac, it took three guitarists to play just what he would play on his own when they would play that song. Yeah. So it's uh, as, as, a, as a musician and just as a badass, that's, that's, that song has to go up there. Uh, 100% yeah. top three. Are we going to go one for one on this no, one? No, no, you can do all three. You can three? do all three. All right. Number two, and uh, I said last week, I have a very eclectic taste. So I've tried to satisfy that eclectic taste to make me feel a bit more rounded out in my choices and therefore it feeling more like a top three rather than my top three. Because if I, I could then just go down a route of acoustic music, which we're not going to do. You could do free Fleetwood Mac, couldn't you? Oh yeah, easy peasy. Right, so uh, next one, SIC by Slipknot. Um, Slipknot in general as a band, I loved because they made sense to very few people. 99% of people would listen to it and go, that's just noise. And I loved that about it. And then <laughs> what I really liked about it is that if you actually looked into it, they were, they were very intelligent men. They were very smart, very well-educated. They just, this is how they expressed themselves through screaming and wearing masks and jumping up and down. And this song in particular, it was based off of a poem by uh, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, who was a famous uh, poet, wrote loads of really nice sonnets and lyrics and all of this and uh, really pretty stuff. But this song is just pure anger and violence. You'd have to get into the lyrics to see and understand kind of the deeper meaning to it. And I like that. I like that it's not because a lot of music today and a lot of music, you know, the kids listen to, it's very shallow. It's very on the surface. It's so easily digestible. It's so easy to understand. And it's kind of like, yeah, it sounds nice. It's, you know, it's pleasant, but there's no substance to it. You know, there's nothing to it. Um, this, the, for me, this song has a lot of, of substance. Uh, and yeah, if you're ever just full of rage, it just, uh, it evokes works. and it works. It works. You just get a hammer, get something to hit with said hammer and put this song on and hit until yeah. your arm pulls off. And, and you sorted. So uh, last one, uh, No Role Models by J. Cole. Uh, J. Cole is uh, a relatively recent uh, rap artist, uh, hip hop artist. I really like J. Cole in general because he 
he goes back to a, an older school version of hip hop uh, where lyrics had content, like back to the 60s through to the 80s where there was a bit more intention behind what they were saying. They weren't just talking about how much money they had or, or you know, how the, the new car and all that, exactly. Uh, and this song in particular is about his him growing up without a male role model around and him growing up without people to look up to and how he had to become the role model for himself and he, he took that personal responsibility of of figuring out and finding out how to be a role model for the next generation because he didn't have that in his life growing up uh, and I think stuff like that and if we could all not only talk about that more but have people express it in art form so that it reaches a wider audience I think that's a really powerful thing so I think he does a great service through songs like that and then it's a great song to listen to but at the same time it 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 hits a few more spots you know what i mean yeah yeah you did very well there as i didn't Thank think you. you get there because you know what uh i i don't have a top three songs are not quantifiable as so i wasn't bringing the top <laughs> three to <laughs> it, it is just not possible as uh, but what I'll do to uh, satisfy the need and to yeah play uh, play along, I've got my top playlist here. Uh, like my album, how do you listen to music? Like I used to historically be an album man. I grew up with my dad listening to albums. I used to switch the cassette over, knowing that two more songs on would be my favourite song. Right? Uh, and there was a point at which I had every Bruce Springsteen album and could only listen to it as an album and things like that. Uh, but I think since the iPod age, the way that music has been listened to is completely different. I don't listen to a lot of new music all the time. Uh, I like the radio. That's usually where I pick up new music or from my uh, daughter. She's got a really good, uh, diverse uh, playing of music and listening to music and she introduced me to new songs. But I pretty much go back to like this, my top rated. Uh, I can't find the notes. It's, it's some thousand songs on it. It used to say where how many songs there are on it, but I can't see. Uh, but yeah, there, there's like a thousand songs on it. And oh yeah, 1,444 songs, 110 hours and 29 minutes. This is usually how I listen to music now. It's just a collection of my favourite songs that I'll just put on. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my way of music now. What about you? I, I think that's become the way of music now. And I think it's reflected in new music in the sense that you used to go buy an album so there used to be a lot of focus from musicians of making a good album. And that went from the structure of it and the story it told when you listened to it from start to finish. And it included things like the album art cover, because that was part of the experience of going and buying the vinyl, the CD. With all the streaming now, I think that's even changed, that even the musicians aren't thinking about it in that way maybe some of the old ones still are. i'm sure springsteen still thinks yes, of it in the sense an of an album yeah. but certainly the new generation it's all about the single isn't it it's all about the song uh and then that's what ends up happening is you love this song from this artist this one from this and you end up more with playlists and less with albums i think now that's the way we listen to things is via playlists as opposed to albums yeah that's yeah, definitely. So I suppose the ease of listening to music, like you don't have to carry all these CDs around anymore and mm -hmm. things like that. I think the ease is, you know, revolutionized. It's, you know, to be able to put 
some earpods in and jump around for instance listen to music but then maybe it's lost the the art of the of the music art the the actual you know album cover and then the album i don't think it's a gain or a loss it's just changed isn't it it is just changed and in some ways it helps things in the sense that musicians like if you if you listen to musicians as in those who play instruments or play with a band there's a lot more on them doing concerts because they don't really make much money anymore i mean relatively speaking off of the album sales so the whole tour and the merchandise Events, yeah. becomes a lot more and obviously at the moment that's not a thing but I think it encourages more live music. And now we've got, you know, more festivals and uh, music things than, than ever before. Uh, and I think that's a great thing that that's yeah. kind of prevailed and, and moved forward and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just certainly the, the new way, the change. Yeah. So th this would be one of my favorite things at the end of a trip. Quite often when we're on that last bar of uh, a road trip back from Belgium or whichever tournament, you know, unfortunately we've missed this year, I'd quite often commandeer the radio and I'd just go through this playlist and we wouldn't play the song entirely. I'd just be going like, oh, this is a good Aerosmith. This is a good Alice, uh, Alanis Morissette. Oh, this is good Alec and Lennox. I'm gonna, so I'm going to just go through here and I'm going to see see what pop pops out. Jumps out. Oh, okay, yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to start with a B here. Uh, the the colour of love, uh, Billy Ocean. Great so song, great choice. It, it just sits as one of my earliest memories, and it went no matter where I am, where I listen to it, what the mood or anything, it just makes me feel happy. It just makes me feel like you're you're just a little kid again going to the toy shop being spoiled or something it just has that real real yeah real happy feeling to it. i just think there's a lot of lovely lyrics and words in it so that that's going to be one of my my three i'm going to give you billy ocean uh, the color of love i would call it bob dylan but um i don't know what one i do like bob dylan and then you know bob marley can you see this is going to take a while, As uh, <laughs> Well, we're only on B, so we've yeah. got a while to go. Bruce Hornsby, the way it is, God, I can't drop that. But I suppose what I will choose then, uh, I can't do a top three, obviously, without a Bruce. There's got to be a Bruce number in. And if you put a gun to my head and said, I have to choose a Bruce Springsteen song, my favourite. And this goes with the Bruce Hornsby, the way it is, uh, as in there's a, a kind of a, a link it here. It, it has to be off of uh, the live album, the... Uh, I, I want to get the date right. Look, that's how bad my, my brain's working uh, today. It's off the uh, live version, because all of these stuff was better live. Uh, the 1980-whatever it is to 80-something, I can't remember the album. And uh, well, the song I'm getting to is uh, Reason to Believe, the live version with the harmonica. It's just the lyrics in that song and the meaning behind that song just a reason to believe of, you know, and a, a lady whose uh, husband ran away and she would wait at the end of the dirt road all the time for him to come back, but he was never coming back. A guy standing by the highway poking a dead dog in a ditch. It's like how people just continue to move forward, continue to slave away, continue to do what they do just because they, they believe in something. They believe in life. They believe in goodness in people. They believe in, you know, the American dream, whatever 
you know, it was being written about. I find uh, that song and like the way it is with the Bruce Hornsby song is, yeah, I, I think there's just a lot to that. And unfortunately, right. you've shown the synchronicity of the universe once again, <laughs> as uh, that is my absolute favorite Springsteen song to not only listen to, uh, but also to play on guitar. Uh, so if I ever feel the need to play Springsteen, that's the first song I turn to. Uh, I, I, I love that song. Uh, and yeah. yeah, live versions of it with the harmonica and all the rest are just yeah, incredible. Yeah, and uh, what I also like about the song, in a sense, why I put it in the top three, it's not necessarily a well-known song. You'd no, have to be not. like a fan of Bruce to know the song. And uh, especially the live version, I like the live version the best. And it's off of Nebraska, which was an album he did after Born in the USA. The greatness of the Born in the USA, like I could say Born in the USA would be one of my top songs because of, uh, again, childhood memories. Uh, but it like dancing in the dark but this song is so great because it's also not one of the great well sort known songs yeah. as well uh like you know oh god chris rich yeah cold play do you like cold players i know that's always a bit uh like marmite to people isn't it i like cold play I, you know i don't love cold play but i like a cold play song i think the scientist is a is a beautiful song i think they've wrote some some great music um yeah I don't, uh, for me it's not it's certainly not marmite but it's not it's not anything that blows me away but i'm not offended by them i you, i get what you mean though coldplay is one of those things where you say oh i like coldplay and people go oh you like coldplay yeah. like that like it's, it's music. really something yeah. yeah where i just think that's oh, not, not that bad. ed sheeran <laughs> oh, I, I used oh. to like ed sheeran and i feel bad because sometimes i think it's my fault that i've become a bit of a music ponce that just because he's famous now i don't like him um, yeah, but I don't like much of his recent stuff. But no? his his first couple of albums, uh, I I think they're almost flawless in terms of like you could listen. Did to you not like the vibe? I I no, I'm gonna say no. I mean, I'm not that I didn't like it. It just doesn't. They're not resonating with me the way uh, his old music with uh, another person like is Ben Howard, who I thought his first album was was just almost perfection. Uh, and then yes. I've not enjoyed music from him as much that's come from that. And I don't know if that's just a case of he gave his best early then, on, yeah, or or it's just or it's just yeah, I don't know. That's what yeah, because the uh, Ed Sheeran, the Divide. I just found that was a great album because it was almost like he went through genres of songs throughout an album. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I, I like to that. But here, moving on, I'm on to ease now. Eric Clapman. <laughs> Uh, Rhythmics, uh, Faithless, fine, oh, fine Young Cannibals. Why could I? You called a Fleetwood Mac, so I won't uh, call a Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I actually know what I think I'm going to go to. In Excess. Do you like In Excess? I like In Excess. My, my brother was a big fan of uh, In Excess. He's on one of the live albums, actually. He's on one of the live yeah, albums. He's one of the 100,000 in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kings of Leon. Uh, I, I want to say uh, The Lighthouse Family, but again, that was a funeral song. So it's like it, it resonates because of that. And I've liked the song because it makes me feel happy about that moment in a sense of, you know, enjoying someone's uh, laugh. Uh, life yeah, but but right there is what i mean about it all isn't it is it yeah uh, 
it's not that you could sit there and say, you know, it's well, it's, you know, better than Mozart in terms of its musical content or anything like that, but no one can take away what it means to you. Uh, and no one could, no one could come and say anything to you that's going to take away from that. So yeah. there's no argument, you know, no one could come and justify, actually, JC, you're wrong about that song that was played at that funeral. That shouldn't make you feel like yeah. it. You should have had this song and you're going to go, you know what? You're right. I've completely changed my mind. <laughs> so uh, Michael Bolton, I've really enjoyed a bit of Michael Bolton at the moment. Uh, I enjoyed Michael Bolton. Uh, he's not been in my, he's not been in recent rotations, but I, I have no issue with him. This has come up in a couple of conversations recently, not Mike and the Mechanics. I like a bit of Mike and the Mechanics. I fell asleep at my first concert, which is Mike and the Mechanics. <laughs> we, yeah. Some people Good will say, concert. oh, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I was only about five or six, something like that. Uh, this has come up in a couple of conversations. Are you allowed to say you still like Michael Jackson now? Yes. I mean, yeah, if, that's you're asking I me, if you're asking yeah. me, yes. Um, so here's a huge thing which I think has to be taken into consideration. I always try to separate the music and the musician from the person. And I do the same across everything in terms of there are certain sports personalities. I respect them for what they do in a sport, fighters especially. Um, and then people say, yeah, but he's an asshole. He's this, he does that. And I'm like... It has nothing to do with it. It's his art that I'm appreciating and it, and it doesn't, in my opinion, reflect on it in any way, shape or form. If anything, a lot of it might be a necessity to make the art, you know, in that mm. sense that, that they're... Alcoholics and everything else. Whatever, yeah. You know, Jimi Hendrix without drugs, I don't know if you get Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. I don't think that music appears without the drugs. So to say that he's got problems with drugs, it's like, yeah, I hope so, because otherwise... Yeah. We're not, not going to hear that guitar, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. It's a bit different with what Michael is, but we don't know what Michael is. We don't know what happened. Um, but for me, no, I don't, I don't have an issue saying I enjoy Michael Jackson I'm, music. I'm getting more present things here for when people have these comments. I can... Cool. Yeah. When it comes to music, I'm, I'll help you. I'm your man. We're, we're good to go. Moby, whatever happened to Moby? Whatever happened, he just, I think one day he just said, you know what, that'll do. And just, I really advert. think he just packed it up. He's on every advert, but he seems to just be done with music as far as I know. Yeah, Nelly, New Order, that's old school in my mind. That's pretty uh, Oasis, love a bit of Oasis. Yeah, uh, love a bit of Oasis. OMD, that always winds Lauren up, the whole electric, uh, uh, you know, musical side of things. <laughs> Uh, Paul Simons, like, how can you not have something from Graceland? Uh, how can you not call, call that? Prince, oh, Prodigy, uh, Red Hot Once Chili again, Peppers. For, for anyone who hasn't realised, JC is almost incapable of giving top threes and gives tops 300s almost <laughs> yeah. every time. <laughs> Robbie Robinson. I do like a bit of Rod Stewart as well. Uh, Rock can't set. agree with you on Rod Stewart. No, you don't. Well, you don't. Well, well, part okay, ways we'll to this. Yeah. <laughs> Run Rig. Run Rig. Can you give me a song? Uh, so, The Greatest Flame, I would say, or Amazing Things. I think they're one of those ones I'd need to hear it and I'd go, yeah, I know it, but I'm okay. not as familiar enough to know the. Uh, I'll write it down and check it out. For Run, next it's time on my list. Run, I've got it. Run Rig. Uh, 
where are we here? I'm going through Simply Red. Are you offended by Simply Red? I'm a huge fan and I, I don't even consider it a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I Stereophonics. Good music, good music. Stevie Wonder, Steve Winwood. Nothing wrong. Talking Heads. I'm going to call it that. Yeah, Once in a Lifetime. That's going to be my top three. Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime. But I didn't even get to you two. Uh, or UB40, or where, 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 or Whitney Houston, or we're going background where you know where you add songs to a playlist and they're prior to you sorting it in order. <laughs> well, I think Sorry. if nothing else, you've shown that you have good taste in music. In oh, my thanks, in us. my subjective opinion, which is all it ever is before anyone gets upset. That's all that uh, matters, isn't it? That's all that matters. Uh, yeah, and that's the real thing with all of it, isn't it? If it makes you feel good and you enjoy listening to it, then uh, who cares what anyone else thinks? And uh, I've got, uh, before we do our quotes, I've got a uh, food-related topic, if, uh, if you'd like me to bring I think you brought last week's, didn't you? And we, we need to follow up on that, I think. Uh, so uh, this week, uh, we, I had an experience yesterday. I, I feed uh, Bruce raw meat. Yeah. Uh, uh, as in we go kill a local child and you know, uh, yeah, rather than your uh, traditional uh, like pedigree, pedigree charm or biscuit or that, he eats raw meat. We get it from a you know a raw meat dog food uh, dispenser, and uh, we got a little uh, Hoover here on it as well. She basically hoovers up her food. I think she uh, yeah she needs uh, a little bit of filling up. Yesterday he was eating his food, so I've got them both outside. She takes literally. You could go, go, one, two, three, and it's gone. Uh, he takes forever to eat his food. And she's like, we're wanting to get his food. If I let him go, he, he'd just like snarl at her. Uh, and I watched him. He, he picked a bit up and put it on the side of his bowl. He ate the rest. He looked at her and then walked off. It's one of the, the nicest things I have ever seen. Wow. He, he, yeah, he consciously left the pup. Uh, some some food. It was like wow, yeah, that that, that blew me away yesterday. Oh, that's really nice. That reminds me of a Chinese proverb about heaven and hell. Have I told you about this before? No. Is this going to be your quote? Uh, I mean, I'm going to count it as my quote. I had one, but this is better, uh, and this is very much related to what you said. So this is a little. I think it's a folk tale or a story. Uh, that they would tell the kids to explain the difference between heaven and hell. So this man, uh, this man basically has a near-death experience. And in this experience, he gets taken and shown uh, the, the two versions. So the first thing he's done is he's taken to hell. And he goes to hell. And what it is, is it's a giant dinner table with everyone who's in hell sat at it. And instead of arms, everyone has giant chopsticks. So your arms are gone. You've just got giant chopsticks. The dinner is everything you could ever want, everything you could ever imagine. But you are incapable of getting the chopstick back into your mouth. So therefore, it's just a bunch of people crying because they can't eat the food. Uh, and he says, you know, this is horrible. This looks like torture. Uh, I can't stand it. You know, I don't want to be here. And you're like, OK, well, you know, if you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. Let me show you the difference. They go to heaven and he says, I can't see the difference. Again, big table, everyone sat around it and everyone still has chopstick arms. Nothing's changed. Uh, and whoever takes him, I can't remember, the deity says, just look a little closer. And the only difference is, is that the people are feeding each other across the table. So instead of trying to feed oneself, they are picking things up with their giant chopsticks and feeding their neighbor. 
uh, and everyone is feeding each other. So heaven and hell is no different. It's the people that make it. I've got that one down now as well. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I can see so many places that coming out. Weddings being so Bruce is going to doggy of, heaven, that's for sure. Yeah, Bruce is far more enlightened than us, isn't it? There he is. There right, he is. so I'm going to wrap it full circle today. He is your friend, your partner, your defender, your dog. You are his life, his love, his leader. He will be yours, faithful and true, to the last beat of his heart. You owe it to him to be worthy of such devotion. And that's, that's to me, one of the greatest dog quotes there can be uh, and how it sums it all up and how these horrible people in the world can uh, treat an, an animal or a child that, as we said, uh, in any other way. Boom. Boom. Nice I enjoyed that. As that feels like it was longer than our, our usual one, but uh, it's a short combo. We did a full hour it? today. It's a short well, combo. It's all subjective, my man. It's all subjective. Yeah. We're in the moment, dude. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is, bro. <laughs> cool, wicked. Well, well I'm going to go sleep now and be in the moment. You go sleep. I'm going to go eat. And everyone, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Yeah. And we will all see that. you soon. Peace out. Peace out.